message of 2024, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you got to start off with a corny rhyme, right? <laughs> so we're going to start off with Matthew 6.33. Come on now. Reading the New King James. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. You say, what are all these things? Well, all the good things, all good things that God wants for us will be added unto us if, again, we put him first in our lives. That's all he's asking is to, for us to make him our number one. And that really is a daily thing. It starts first thing in the morning when you wake up. You know, Lord, you're my number one today. I'm going to start my day with you. I'm going to start by talking to you first thing before I do anything else. I'm going to recognize you. I'm going to thank you. And, uh, and, and that's what he wants. And because, not necessarily for him, but because he knows what it does for us. He knows that if we start our day like that, you know, it doesn't matter what comes our way, we're going to be on solid ground. And so if nothing can shake you, he knows that you're going to be able to be productive and not get knocked off track. And as a parent, you don't want you to see your kids get knocked off track, you know, you want them on the straight and narrow. You want them doing what, they, what they're supposed to be doing. And God's the same way. He's just simply saying, you know, start your day with me. Start your day with my wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, with my love, joy, and peace. And it's going to go well for you. Not only are you going to enjoy the day, but you're going to expand my kingdom because you're going to be a magnet to everybody around you. And that's the whole reason why we're here this morning is to share the love of God with those who don't have it yet. So we got to stay up here in 2024. <laughs> it's a new year. We're going to seek him first. We have all things we need to work on. We all do. We all have things in our life that aren't 100%. And take a minute and just think about that for a minute. You say, you know, what did I deal with last year that I would rather not deal with this year? I think every single one of us has probably got at least one thing that we could think about to say, you know what, I'd rather not repeat that this year. And so just think about that for a minute. Just go through that in your head for a moment and then give it to God. If you haven't already, give it to him. And if it's something that you need to work out with somebody else, give it to him too. And say, Lord, how should I handle this? What would you have me do to correct this? so that this year really is going to be better than last year. And it's a great time to do that. We should really be doing that almost on a daily basis, but that much more so, I think, at the first of the year, just to set yourself up properly. And so just give that to God this morning, ask him for wisdom, and then even before the day is out, he might have you do something. God's not big on dragging things out. You know, if you can take care of it today, take care of it today. You know? God said, if you, know, if, if you have it with you today, don't withhold. Don't, don't withhold it if you have it with you today. You know? God's not big on wasting time. It's the one commodity you can never get back, right? You can't generate more of it. Every second you spend is a second that's gone forever. Time is very precious. You can always make more money someday. You can't make more time someday. Hebrews 4, verse 15. 
For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. But he was in all points tempted as we were, as we are. See, sometimes we get a picture of God being, well, God. Which is true. But when Jesus came, he was fully God, but fully man. And and this verse is saying that we can relate to him and he can relate to us. It's saying if Jesus was tempted in all points, yet without sin, we can do the same thing. We have the same covenant that Jesus had. We're seated with him in heavenly places. He ever lives to make intercession for us. We have the best friend that anybody could ever ask for in heaven right now praying to the Father for us. Isn't that powerful? Like, we have no excuses. We, we really don't. We have no excuses. Do, do you think Jesus has God's ear? Probably a pretty good chance that he has his ear. So as he intercedes for us, there's, there's a really good chance that God is listening and God is fulfilling those prayers on our behalf like any loving father would, right? You know, Jesus, probably one of the most famous situations where Jesus was tempted in the Bible was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, Father, all things are possible to you. So he's saying, God, I know you can do all things. Is there a way you can rearrange this situation so that I don't have to go through with this? But you know, he was feeling the heat. I mean, this is a man who's never experienced sin about to take on all of our sin. So this was a critical, probably the most critical point in his ministry where he was likely under the most pressure he'd ever been in his entire ministry. And he's saying, God, is there another way? And we've been there. I think every single one of us have probably been in that situation. Is there some other way, God? I don't want to have to go through with maybe something he's called you to do, but it's going to be hard. It's not always going to be easy. He'll make a way for you, but it won't always be easy on the flesh. Like Jesus said, what was the spirit was willing, but the flesh was the problem, right? That's what we deal with on a daily basis. That's what we have to renew our mind on a daily basis because the spirit within us knows fully what it should do and fully desires to do what it knows it should do. But the world and our flesh get in the way. And that's why we always have to subdue it. We always have to subdue it. That's why starting the day, like I mentioned, is so important, because that's when you begin to subdue that flesh as soon as the day starts. So that you can say what Jesus said and say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, Father. So then in verse 16, it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Take that verse this year and use it. Take that verse every day and use it if you need it. Get it stenciled on the ceiling above your bed if it helps. So when you wake up in the morning, it's right there when you wake up. You know, if you're artsy and you like stencils, you know, do a little painting, you know. 
<laughs> go to the dollar store, they'll hook you up. <laughs> but that's powerful, you know? If you do that daily, you know, come boldly, you know, and stay there in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came from heaven, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, shed his blood for you to have that verse. He gave his life so we could have that verse. It's powerful. There's never been love like that in the universe. There's never been love like that. It's amazing. Never ceases to amaze. (sighs) Taking time for him is important. Jesus took a lot of time by himself to be with God. He withdrew to a quiet place to seek him because if you don't seek him, you don't know what he wants you to do. So it's a new year. He has some things he wants us to do. We should probably find out what his priority list is. So there's a confidence that comes in knowing. There's a confidence that only comes in knowing. If you don't know, you don't have the confidence. If you know, you can be confident in what you're doing because you know that God is in it. So Jesus, before he did anything major, would seek the Lord. Before he stormed the temple and kicked out the money changers, he sought the Lord. He could have done it the day before, but he didn't. He sought direction from the Lord to make sure that he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. And that's so important because there's so many different ways you can do the same thing, but there's only one way that God wants it done. And oftentimes it's not the way we think he wants it done. I would say it's never the way that he thinks (laughs) that he wants it done. And so it's important to seek him and to get that witness on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit, to let you know that, yes, this is how I want you to go forward with this. That way it saves so much hurt, you know, on yourself, on others around you, and things get done so much more efficiently that way. So I encourage you to take time this year. You know, if you feel like you haven't taken enough time recently, take a little more time. Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, Guarding it with centuries will do no good. You see, God's got to be in it. If God's not in it, you're going to burn out. You're going to be on it on your own, in your own strength, in your own ability. And you can do that for a while. Like we've all done it for a while in different areas of our life. We've tried it out. And, you know, you get along for a while, and then eventually you hit the wall, right? Eventually you're like, no, I can't do it anymore. I give up struggle too long, tired, exhausted. I just want to climb into my bed, close my eyes, and hopefully not have to wake up the next day. (laughs) Burnout. Everybody's experienced it. Happens a lot, not only in the church, but in the world as well. People experience burnout. And it's because they're not doing it God's way. They're doing it in their own strength. God is not in it. God said his burden is easy. His yoke is light. So it's a good test. If if you're not feeling that lightness, 
If you don't have that joy on the inside of you, then something is not right. And you need to take that time, talk to God and say, where am I off? What do I need to do differently, right? (sighs) Unless, you see, we are here to contribute to society. We are here to be a blessing to those around us. If, if, you're, if you're not, really that's the only way to experience true joy is in blessing others and doing things for others. That's where true joy is. Because heaping up a bunch of stuff for yourself doesn't bring joy. I mean, you don't have to look very far to say, you know, people with a bunch of stuff aren't often very happy people. But people who have dedicated their lives in the service of others are often very happy people and have a fulfilled life. I, I watched an interview one time with a Holocaust survivor, 108 years old, and she said forgiveness and joy is what brought her through her life. Forgiveness, which then brought joy, brought her through not only Auschwitz, but extended her life well into her hundreds. No dementia strong. She was 108 in that interview. She was playing the piano. And witty joy, peace, love, forgiveness. Our life does not center on what we can do for us, but our legacy will be determined by what we've done for others. If you can look at your life and say, that you've done this, but you're not happy, then you've grown weary in well-doing. You can be doing all the right things. You can be serving the Lord, but you can grow weary in well-doing. Again, I encourage you not to bring that into the new year. Identify where you're off, correct it, and make 2024 much better than last year. Identify the problem and fix it. You see, are you familiar with, with how brakes work? And when brakes start to wear, they have a wear indicator on them. That'll squeal. But it'll still stop the car. So people who are weary and well-doing are still doing things for the kingdom, but they're squealing the whole time they're doing it. <laughs> Your car is still going to stop. But it's going to be a little annoying getting there to everybody around you, right? So if you found that you started to squeal last year a little bit, change the pads out. Maybe it means a move for you. Maybe it means a different ministry. Maybe God's called you a different ministry. Maybe you've served your time in one ministry and it's time to move to another one. You know, maybe... You just need extra help in a ministry. Maybe you've been doing it on your own. You need someone to come alongside you. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> there could be any number of reasons why you might be feeling a little worn out and a little squeaky. So again, take that time. Reflect, pray, and find out what pads God wants you to put on so you can... You can get in your place. Get in your zone. You'll be happy in your zone. The church will be happy when you're in your zone. Everybody around you will be happier when you're in your zone.
So find your zone and get in your zone. Stay in your zone. Be a blessing in your zone. <sighs> you see, Isaiah 119 says, you've got to be willing and obedient. Those two things have to go together, not one without the other. And oftentimes we assign we ourselves to situations where we are one without the other. But put them together, and what does the Bible say going to happen? Eat the good of the land. And that sounds like something I want to walk in in 2024. <laughs> I like eating the good of the land. And if it's promised to me with a, just a little proviso like that, then I'm like, sure, sign, sign me up for that all day long. <laughs> James said he's going to promise me that. So hey, next week, buddy, get that smoker going. <laughs> a little brisket, brisket. There you go. Oh, okay. I'm sowing seeds. <laughs> All right. Galatians 6. I'm kick it off in verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. We don't want that. That was 2023. That's behind us now. <laughs> but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. He who sows to the Spirit will experience heaven on earth. We say it that way. He who sows to the Spirit was going to experience heaven before he ever gets there. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not Lose heart. And you won't lose heart if you're taking that time with him, if you're putting those verses before your face, if you're seeking him for his direction, if you're building a house that he's involved in, if he's the builder of it, you're not going to lose heart because God's going to be in it. And you're going to feel fresh every morning. You're going to feel invigorated as you pray his word and speak it over your life. Nothing's going to be able to knock you off. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. So I'm going to leave you with that this morning. I encourage you to, to hold fast to those words and to let them produce the life that you want to live this year. You know, this is an incredible, incredible time to be alive. You know, you have to be living under a rock to not see that the geopolitical tensions of war now haven't been this bad since the Cold War. I mean, it is an exciting time to be alive. And because we know the end from the beginning, because we know who we are, we don't have to wring our hands in these situations. We could actually get excited when we see this stuff happening because we know the end's drawing near. We know what God's plan is and we know what he's doing next. And it is an awesome, awesome time to be alive. It is incredible to think that he called each and every one of us to be alive right now. You know, we weren't born a thousand years ago, 500 years ago. We're alive right now. And there's a really good reason for that. Each and every one of us have a part to play. We just got to find our lane, stay in it, and just punch through to the end. Like, just punch through to the end with joy. Come on. 
Pastor Dewey uh, said it, I think. I believe it was Pastor Dewey. It was Pastor Dewey or Pastor Carlo talked about the legacy that you're leaving. Um, we're going we're gonna to start. I'm going to start like in, I'm going to go by quickly because he says, you have 20 minutes. That's it. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, but uh, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 3. And uh, for me, in starting in verse 10, and I apologize already because my Bible is literally falling apart and it leaves a trail of black fibers all around. So Shelly, I apologize. I'm so sorry. I need a new one. Uh, but I like this one. This one's a, it's a good one because it gives me, it's a study Bible. So it has all these notes and stuff at the back and used to intimidate me. But you know, when Pastor Shirley said, when she started coming to New, New Covenant, it was like going to Bible school. I felt that. I felt that. Like I grew up in the church, but at the same time, I felt like I was part of a social club, not, not a Christian, if that makes sense to any of you. Um, but coming, you, I learned how to be a Christian under this ministry and what it means and to apply the word to your life. And uh, so starting in verse 10, it says, according to the grace of God, and I'm going to read out of the ESV, um, like a skilled master builder, I have laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he, should, how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Now, the day there, you can see it's capitalized. We're not talking about any day. We are talking about the day. The day when the skies are going to open up, Jesus is going to step out from the clouds, and we're going home. Hallelujah. Right? But all of that will be, everything that we do will be judged. And and um, it's... Uh, it's It can be a scary thing, but it's a good thing because we all do what God has called us to do, so therefore we're not... We're like what Justin was talking about a while ago, you know, in that ease, right? Uh, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the sort of work each one has done. If the work anyone has built upon this foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone builds, uh, anyone's work is built, uh, uh, burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So God said, there's grace in that verse right there. Can you see the grace? So even though you did it in vain and whatever, you might have worn yourself out, whatever, you're all right you're still going to be saved, right? Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Um, what's coming up against you? What's trying to destroy God's temple? Come on, he said he will destroy it. <laughs> Come on, like he will destroy it. You got sickness in your body, he will destroy it. Right? That is our that's our inheritance. That's our that's his legacy that he has left for us. Right? For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You are holy. All right? So, building a foundation that will stand the test of time. All right? Not because we do it in our own selves. We can't do anything <laughs> Lord knows we cannot do anything in our own selves, all right? But if you switch over, if you go over, my Bible's just the next page, but in Corinthians 2, 9, all right, it says, but it is written, 
No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. You want to know your direction? Again, like my husband was saying, you need to get along with God. Which direction is my life going? What do you want to accomplish this year? What do we need to accomplish? And I say we because this is, this is a team effort. It's his spirit, but you're the legs, you're the arms, you're the hands, you're the mouth. Right? So it says, for, uh, for who knows a person's thought except for the spirit of that person which is in him. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand these things freely given to us by God. He's not going to hide this from you. He's not sitting there like teasing you with a carrot. He's like, hey, I'm going to give it to you. Just come and ask me for it. Just ask me. I'm here waiting. I'm waiting for you to ask me. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. See, sometimes our decisions will not make, make sense to our non-Christian family friends or, or people or coworkers or whoever else are around us. Because they're not carnally driven. They are spiritually driven. Right? Why would you go to that? Why would you go switch that job and go to that job? It doesn't make you as much money. You're not in the right spot. No, God has something for me to do over here that I need to accomplish, either whether it's someone I need to reach or it's something that he needs to work out in me. Either one of those things is, is true. So we need to trust his leading and what God is, like God is taking us in that path. We need to trust that path. So I just want to... Um, Switch back for a second and talk about this, because this is this is something that when I open my Bible like yesterday morning, it was it was really funny, and I I tend to, I, but in the past I've I've stayed away from the Old Testament not because of, well no I was scared of it, because uh, I wasn't sure if I understood it enough, but no but it's true, but I mean this year I'm t- I, I'm a teacher by trade and um, I'm teaching history this year, so it's become very very fascinating to me. Um, but in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, when he's, when he's talking about that foundation laid with gold, silver, precious stones, he knew that those people who were in the building, those Jewish people who were in the building, knew that he was referring to the Temple of Solomon. He knew that. And those things are representative of the Spirit of God. Those are spiritually things. Those are spiritual materials, heavenly materials, all right? And, but then he goes on to say wood, hay, and straw. Those are earthly materials. So he was making a comparison there. I taught English for, so like, yes, I do tend to look at how things are written a little bit more specifically. And why are they using that instead of that? But those are heavenly things. And they would have referred to, and they would have known that that's what um, he was referring to is that temple. That temple. So let's go to 2 Chronicles. I'm going to read about it in 2 Chronicles. I know it's in Kings and stuff like that. But 2 Chronicles, uh, 2 Chronicles 7, starting in verse 11. And so... Up until this point, so this was the dedication. This was after the dedication of the temple. And uh, if you read about the dedication of the temple, whew, I mean, it was 
it was like weeks and weeks. And then what does it say? There was 22,000 ox and 120,000 uh, 20, sheep. There was grain offerings, burnt offerings and stuff like that. And God, but then Solomon went and he, he spoke. <laughs> he had a prayer of dedication towards the temple. And this was God. So this was all done publicly. This was all done uh, in sanctification, dedication of the temple uh, to God. And, and this is God's response. And it's so amazing uh, to hear this. And I'll, I'll point out a few things as we go along. But it said, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Now, what's amazing about that is his father, David, King David, he unified the Israelites. He, he brought them back. He brought the Ark of the Covenant, which I still think is one of the most funniest things I've ever heard. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's one of the only times sarcasm is used in the Bible. Um, oh, greater you, King of Israel. Because uh, he was excited that the presence of God was back in, in the city that they could dwell, like, like the presence of God was there with them, and he was so excited he couldn't contain himself. And his wife got upset, and she bore the price for that. And, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it said, um, then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night. He made a huge spectacle, but God met him at night. God met him one-on-one -on -one at night. And I think that's powerful. Um, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people. Now, that was in reference to part of what Solomon's dedication was. So this was God's response to what, what Solomon had already been talk, was talking to God and the dedication. But then he goes on in verse 14, he says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and, con and consecrated this house that my name may be, for, uh, be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. Put yourself, this is God talking about the temple. We just read that you are the temple. His eyes and his heart will be there for all time. As for you and you walk before me as David your father walked. Hmm. I think it's interesting. He said, David, your father. Usually we put our adjectives before our nouns, but God said, David. Then he put the descriptor in there, your father. It's almost like he claimed David first. David, your father. But then at the same time, he's also, he's also signifying the, uh, the lineage of who Solomon was and legitimizing Solomon's reign in that place, in that time. Doing according to all that I have commanded you and, I'm keep, and keeping my statues and my rules. See, at that point, God had told David, David had, could have built this temple, but God told him, no, this is Solomon's job. I want Solomon to build this temple. So there was obedience from his father and now from Solomon. And he said, you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. 
But if you turn aside, now one thing that I find interesting in, in, in the Bible when I, <laughs> as a Christian growing up and stuff like that, it was always like doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. But it's just like, no, it's not. You read some of these things and you're just like, and then God said, but choose life. Yeah, these bad things, but choose life. Yes, and then he's going to say, he's going to give a warning too. He says, but if you turn aside and forsake my statues and my commandment that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from the land and I've give, that I've given you and this house that I have consecrated for myself. I will cast you out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and, beyond, uh, and be by word among all peoples and this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done this in the land of the, uh, uh, and to this house? And then they will say, they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, their God, their fathers, and who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold of their other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. So he said, yes, you will have, if you follow my obedience, if you continue in this walk, if you continue to do these things, your life will be good. Your life will go well. Your reign will be successful, right? And then if you go past those, like, well, the heading for chapter eight in Second Chronicles is Solomon's accomplishments. <laughs> because of his obedience to God, his obedience to God, you know? So if we're, if we have been given the directions for success in this book right here, in this book right here, and uh, they say there's no manual to life or, or parenting or anything like that. I, I disagree. Uh, those of us who have read this book, we know for sure that that is not the truth. He has, he's told us to choose life over and over and over and over again. Choose life, you know, starting your day off in the word, all like finding out, taking time away to spend with him is so important. And you know what? I was walking with my, we went for a walk, uh, I think it was on New Year's Day. And uh, I just turned to him in the middle of our walk and I said, I said, something's about to shift. I said, I feel a shift coming. I feel something bubbling up. I feel like, you know, there's something, something big is about to happen. And I truly believe that like the signs of the times are there and, and we need to, and that's why it's important to know the word as well. So we, that we know, um, the word, we know the word and we know what to put our foundations on. So the last, uh, last I'm going to read is Colossians three and, um, Colossians, yeah. <laughs> Colossians 3. And uh I want to I'm going to start in 1. And um Yeah, that's my heart. My heart is for people to be successful. Successful in all that God has called them to be. All that God has called us to be. That is my heart for every single person. Why? Because I know then that they're walking in the blessing of the Lord. I know that they're walking with God. I know that they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And if I can help you get there, let just let me know. Um, so Colossians 3. If then, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, and we can all get distracted. Let me tell you, it doesn't take hard. It's not hard to get distracted these days. Just open up your phone for a second. It'll notify you of all the things you should know. For you have died, and your life is hidden within Christ. With Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life? He calls himself your life. And I sang that song, uh, 
Yeah, so I sang the song last week. You know, when I say that, without you, there is no meaning. Life is meaningless without him. You're just walking around, just trying to figure life out for yourself. But his purpose is you find your life in him and your purpose in him. And there's joy that comes with that and a confidence that comes with that. Um, appears that you will also appear with him in glory. And then again, he's going to give you some instruction. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked, but you were good. We put those things away. We put those things away. On account for these, the wrath of God is. Uh, verse 8. But now you must put them away. Put all things away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off all the old self with its, uh, with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator, of its creator. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised. So it doesn't matter what your past has been. doesn't matter where you were born, what you've been through. You qualify through Christ. Right? Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. So put on. So again, he's telling us, he's given the direction. Put on then as God's ones, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. I love it when he calls me his beloved. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. You use the word must there. He used the word must there. You must forgive. That was in verse 13. 14 says, and above all, and the reason he puts that there is you must, because if you don't, if you can't forgive, you don't know the love of God. You don't know the full depth, the width, the breadth, the height of his love. Because if you are asking for that forgiveness, you know what? God also died for that person as well. <laughs> <laughs> he loves them just as much. He has, an, he has grace for that person as well. So you must have grace as well. And above all these things, put on love. Love is the foundation on which we build, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Tell you what, sometimes when people hit a bad note and you're singing, you're like, oh, okay, there we go. That's not harmonious. Um, some of us can hear it more than others. Some people are like, oh, I didn't even notice. And it's just like, whoosh, I noticed. Um, but you know what's really interesting is I think, Pastor Gary, you spoke about how God sang everything into existence. I think you preached on that one time. I was watching something recently that says that even our DNA, the thing that makes up our DNA, all those protein and amino acids, they have a note, a song note attached to it. A song. So there is a song. Like when you, there's, there's certain songs that will get you. There's certain music that'll get you. It's because that he's, he's, he has coded that in your very DNA. That's how powerful <laughs> that is. You know, there's a reason why praise and worship people get attacked and, and, and we're on the front lines and we've been called to the front lines. So therefore we have the grace and the ability to do that. And it's great and wonderful. But if you notice sometimes like what's really interesting is Satan was Lucifer was the praise and worship leader. 
he hates praise and worship. He hates it. And if you want to look mostly where <laughs> some of the conflict is, well, just <laughs> usually in the church, let's just talk to the pastor for a minute. Worship pastor for a second. You'll find some, but not here. Not here. And uh, I have to say that I am actually so pleased and so humbled by the team that I have around me that I just love and adore and uh, just love it. Uh, it says, and let pe the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. One body. We have different parts, but we're all called to one body. And then there's a period there, and then he goes on to say, be thankful and be thankful. Thankfulness is such, it should be such an ingrained part of, of, of who we are. Thankfulness is where we should root, like it was where we should have our, our being as well. Because we know that God is out there working for, like making a way for us. He's already, like my, my husband said, he has already done everything he's going to do. We're just walking in it, right? So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual song with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I can say there's, there's a couple things, there's a couple things that my father instilled in me. And one of these things is he read, before I got my first job, he read this verse to me. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And you know what's interesting is I can see that in my life. With every job that I have had, every employer or my, like in my coworkers or anything like that have always been like, can you come back? Can you, can we miss you? We need you. We la la la, whatever. I never had to go without a job. I, there was always one being offered to me because I took that verse and I said, I'm not working for man. I'm working for God. So in your jobs and everything like that, you're not working for man. You may have an employer, but you work for God. Because you do everything in love and word, and everything that you do is rooted and grounded in thanksgiving and in love. So 2024, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? God has given us everything pertaining to, uh, to life and godliness. All we have to do is take hold of it and walk in it. I'm so thankful for every single person. Thank you for doing what God has called you to do and working in this place. Honestly, I look forward to my candy that Dale gives me every Sunday. I'm thankful for the water that Rick brings me and the extra one that he leaves at my chair once I'm done. I'm thankful for everyone who gets here. I'm thankful for Shelly who cleans and decorates and does all those things. Thankful for our pastors who have given us such a great foundation and, and such an amazing lead in this place. We're just so thankful. We're so thankful. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.